folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcast. Well, welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, along with Tyler Dunn, formerly of Bleacher Report, and now GoLongTD.com. Tyler Dunn has launched. He has become part of Substack Nation, GoLong, <laughs> which you do exactly that. I love it. It's like a wordplay because you write in-depth, long-form features with the best of them, Tyler. And I'm very happy for you. You've gone in this direction. You have joined me here in working for yourself nation or whatever we want to call it love it you know it's it's liberating in a lot of ways it's a feeling you can't really describe man i gotta thank you i'm gonna blow a lot of smoke in this in this whole uh conversation we have uh up you know what because you've been awesome you reached out to me you're the one that got me onto Substack, got me thinking this way and it's been awesome i've, I've been loving it you know i obviously i've always loved doing long form stories and I think that there's a niche here. I think that there's um, a bright future for everything we got going on. So thanks for having me. Well, and one of your first just so happens to be about the Minnesota Vikings. So that was uh, good timing for you and allowed me to easier tell Vikings fans that they should sign up. Because uh, also, I mean, they'll probably remember your piece, which I think Vikings fans loved on the Green Bay Packers from your time at Bleacher Report as well. And we've uh, really seen the Mike McCarthy thing play out uh, in Dallas. So that is Go Long TD, Tyler Dunn, Go Long TD, touchdown, right? Cool. Uh, yeah. Dot com. Go Long TD. Make sure you go there, sign up, and check out his work. And we have to get into this piece on Mike Zimmer that you wrote because I don't think anyone has gone on the national media stage as in-depth on Mike Zimmer and what it's been like to be around Mike Zimmer for the last few years, but also the success that he's had, the way he's been able to get the most out of his team with also – rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. So I think we should begin with just where Mike Zimmer stands right now, because coming into the season, we weren't sure when we got to July, whether he would have a contract extension. And when you looked at his win loss record, you would say, well, this is one of the best coaches in the NFL by win loss record. So why would his coaching status be anything even on the table? And yet they came pretty close 
to that trade to Dallas um, if they had lost to the New Orleans Saints. So I wonder, as you were researching this story over a long period of time, uh, of course, of you gathering different anecdotes on the record, off the record from people, um, how you came away with kind of where he stands now and this progress of him being a very good coach for a lot of his time here in Minnesota, but also always seeming to teeter on the edge with his job status. Yeah, you know, and yeah, that was a great summary there. I think that perspective is so important when it comes to Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, as all of your listeners, all of your readers know, I mean, this franchise was in a really bad spot pre-Zimmer. I mean, you can even go back 5, 10, 15 years before that. You're talking love boats. You're talking the stadium collapsing. You're talking Brett Favre's body parts mm-hmm. breaking the Internet. Yep. Uh-huh, yep. An, Im- an image many of us will never get back, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, they needed a Mike Zimmer. They needed somebody to come in, you know, ball up the fist, bang the table, be, you know, the, the judge, jury, and executioner for this franchise. I, I think that everybody can be in agreement on that, right? Like, they needed a Mike Zimmer type to once and for all legitimately take on the Green Bay Packers because from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, obviously they, they tormented them. And I, I think that in a lot of ways, initially – players gravitated to Mike Zimmer. That's what they wanted, as we wrote. I mean, Chad Greenway said that offseason, you know, he was a little ticked off. They wanted him to take a pay cut. He's 31. And I think a lot of guys in that position would, you know, give him the bird, get out of Dodge. He stuck around, and, and a lot of guys kind of took that approach. You know, they they gravitated toward a coach who was just going to fumigate the building and bring discipline, and they won. They won a lot of games. I mean, we, we all know the playoff catastrophes that have happened, but he won 60% of his games. I just think, and this was what was told to me from, from people, you know, in and around the team at some point, that message just becomes white noise, right? If you're going to drive a team that hard day in, day out, his mentors, Bill Parcells, as we all know, eventually if you're not getting the results, you know, and then you're paying a quarterback 84 mil guaranteed and you're looking over to this guy, you know, why aren't you paying that guy? Why aren't you paying that? You're giving this guy 84 mil? It's Kirk Cousins. That message is going to kind of, you know, get a little fainter and fainter and fainter and go away. And so in a weird way, you know, back to your point, you know, they could have this past off season, And I remember at the combine getting a sense for this and then through free agency, they easily could have just let Kirk Cousins be a lame duck, let Rick Spielman be a lame duck, let Mike Zimmer be a lame duck, and just, you know, kind of coast through this year, hit reset, start over, and they they went for it. I mean, when, you, when you're extending Kirk Cousins and, and you're giving these extensions out and you're giving Dalvin Cook that money, you're finding a solution for Stephon Diggs. I mean, I guess you can say they're kind of playing the middle ground, and, and maybe they are. But they're they trying they're trying to win <laughs> when they could they didn't have to they could have reset I I think that yeah it's a team it's a head coach at a crossroads but in a weird way and he saw this against Carolina I mean I know they're five and six and maybe folks aren't ready to get optimistic out there yet I think you're seeing a lot of those young players who aren't jaded yet a lot of those young guys that it's not white noise yet this is the first time they're hearing this from Mike Zimmer BC Johnson saying he showed up late to you know two meetings. He's getting his ass chewed out by Mike Zimmer, and you know he's, he's, this is his baptism by the coach. You know, it's it resonates to guys like that in their first or second year. So maybe this new window is kind of opened up, and this new wave of players, granted they have to be good, do respond to Mike Zimmer, and they do win. I, I don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, I, I wish I could have had some declarative finish like this team is going in the tank. 
or this team's going to win the Super Bowl next year. I don't know where it's going to go. It's, I, all I know is it's really compelling. Well, we certainly learned against uh, Carolina that you never really do know what's going to happen with this team, that every game has been a roller coaster. They should have beat Seattle, then they didn't. They should have beat Tennessee, and they didn't. They should have beat Dallas, and they didn't. Like There have been these close games. But then there's also losses that they absolutely earned. You know, They blew double-digit leads. They lose to Atlanta, a team that had zero wins at the time when they came into U.S. Bank Stadium. And so it's in a, a very interesting position in terms of the roller coaster of this season, which I think everyone kind of is just riding along knowing that they're not there yet. But I think that you make a great point there about how the roster that was tired of Mike Zimmer is gone. Almost everyone. I mean, you have Eric Hendricks, you have Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith, but that's kind of it for guys, Anthony Harris, who are around Mike Zimmer for a really long time. And now everybody else is is the new blood. Justin Jefferson is the new blood of this team. Jeff Gladney, the same thing, who is learning um, a little bit of the hard way at times about how hard Mike Zimmer can be on players. And I think that there is an element of just any time a coach is there for a long time until the roster turns over, they will eventually get a little weary of that. But the thing with Zimmer is, if you kind of zoom in a little bit on the seasons that haven't gone that well, he has made them more tumultuous. He has done that. Like it hasn't just been, oh, well, they're sort of tired of him being mean to them at practice. It's, you know, you not only fire John D. Filippo, but you also toss him under a bus and then you pick up his carcass and heave it under some other sort of oncoming object. I mean, just things like that. The North Turner uh, deciding to just walk away in the middle of the season that there have been a lot of these, whether it's comments from him through the media or just behind the scenes of people who have been manipulated by him in different ways because he is so hard on everyone that it's made seasons that were tough even tougher. And think about a team that goes 10-6 and and is in the playoffs in New Orleans ready to play them, and people at the stadium in New Orleans are talking about, yeah, if they lose this game, he's done. After going 10-6, and I mean, it just tells you what kind of environment it got to at one point. And even though they've the reset button you you know that that can happen again that that that's exactly it i mean it, he just seems to make it harder than it needs to be and the the folks that i talked to really pointed to that spring into summer into the fall out of the miracle which everybody should buy your book right i mean hey that's making of a miracle go to amazon get it let's do it you know i mean after that play i mean we all remember where we were right i remember sitting in a press box for some playoff game, maybe it was Pittsburgh or whatever. And it's like, you look up, you can just picture Stefan Diggs crossing the goal line, holding that pose. And you think in that moment, like, oh my God, he's going to be a hero, a celebrity immortalized in Minneapolis forever and ever and ever build the statue now. And there's a reason it gets to the point it got to where he isn't on the Minnesota Vikings anymore. He's clearly unhappy. And no, it doesn't really have a lot as much to do with Kirk Cousins as it does the system, the offense, Mike Zimmer, a head coach who didn't really want to just sit down with him and work it out, work it out and say, we're going to get you the ball. It was, no, this is our offense. We're going to run the ball. And I think that that season after the miracle um, is, is when it became, in, in the opinions of many, just antiquated, blah, bland. Um, it, you know, they, they were doing a lot of really good things for a while. They're five, three and one. You know what I mean? Like they missed all these kicks. Yeah, that Everson Griffin situation before Buffalo, I'm, I don't know, maybe they lose that game anyways, but they, they were in a good spot offensively playing a modernized way 
throwing it all over the place with the defense that was number one the year before. And then, nope, finally Mike Zimmer says, no, we're, we're not doing that anymore. I'm sick of it. Filippo gone. That way of thinking gone. You can even backtrack to the spring when he's, you know, mucking up plays on purpose so they'll never run RPOs and, and just kind of be in a pain. And, yeah, like, Dalvin Cook probably is the best running back in football. He's worth every penny. And you can win that way. Can you win a Super Bowl that way? Can you win with Mike Zimmer that way? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I and, and Maybe there is a balance. I mean, Kirk Cousin looks great, you know, against Carolina, obviously. But I think at that point, if, if this thing does kind of bottom out, you know, say they, they lose the rest of their games or it gets to the point where the coach has to go, the champ. That year is really the turning point, I feel like. I mean, they were a legit Super Bowl contender, and they just didn't they just didn't get over the hump. Yeah, I think the stage was set a little bit for that in 2016 in a way because it was so tumultuous toward the end. So when it happened again, it was like, really? I mean, are we, are we really? And again, it was like an eight-win season. This is not a complete disaster, and yet it felt like it through the whole way. And I remember there's so many moments from this that I remember as you bring it up. One of them is there was a game against the Jets where it was bad weather, and they kept throwing, and that was where it seemed to set Mike Zimmer off. And then he couldn't get away from that in his mind, even though I think that a big part of it was they played a a number one defense for the bears or whatever they were top five, a couple of times and the bears made life really difficult for that offense. So then after losing a key game against the bears, at soldier field national TV. I think that that really raised the frustration. And then after um, Kirk cousins just didn't play well against Seattle. And this is what Kirk cousins will do to you as well, because he is such a roller coaster that when it goes down, you start looking around for people to blame. Like, what is going on here? The reality is it could just be Kirk being Kirk. Now that's not to say that I think they had the right offense for Kirk Cousins with John D. Filippo. I don't think they did. I think that the play action, deep pass offense, the Kubiak, the Shanahan, I think the Stefanski, I think those are a better fit and statistically it plays out that way. But I think also that Zimmer exacerbated the problem and made it worse than trying to find a solution. And I agree. The Diggs thing, it was very noticeable that when Diggs wrote a Players Tribune article to say goodbye to all of his Vikings friends, he thanked Kirk Cousins, said, that's my quarterback. I love Kirk Cousins. And that I have heard from behind the scenes is true, that he didn't have a problem with Cousins. It was really with exactly what you said, the system, the head coach, the fact that there wasn't communication there that I think frustrated him. And now, well, he's landed in a place where they throw him the ball every time and it's, and it's good for him. Uh, with Zimmer, here's one of the things I've always thought, Tyler, is the guy is absolutely a genius when it comes to defense. He is great at teaching people exactly what they're supposed to do. We see players consistently grow. We see guys come from nowhere like Anthony Harrison become good players. But one thing that's missing between him and Parcells is the ability to have a little heart for a guy, too. And everything that I've learned about Parcells, it just seems like he always had that in him, where with Zimmer, whether it's his assistant coaches or his players, if it's hard all the time and there's never that put your arm around a guy, Zimmer claims that he does it, but I don't ever hear people say that he does it. You know, you'll have players who say, I would die for Bill Parcells. I don't really hear that with, with Mike Zimmer after he's done coaching them. And I think that that's the missing thing. Reminds me, you ever see the movie There Will Be Blood? Reminds me of that. Like it reminds me of this, this kind of just ruthless guy who yeah. just would do anything he could and leave any dead body behind. And I think that that's what's missing with Zimmer. You're right. And I know I think it was maybe Chad Greenway. 
he he does say this is a coach that will love you up at times. And, you know, his current players, I mean, the last thing you're going to hear from, you know, a current player is, oh, my God, the guy is the, the worst person on the face of the I mean, earth. <laughs> right. They're going to be supportive of their boss. But, um, yeah, what I was told is exactly what you just said, that you know, his tendency in front of the team to call players selfish. And not just that, you know, it's one thing to call a selfish a player selfish when he is selfish or does something. But I think he would pick some weird fights. You know what I mean? He, he'd pick fights with players that everybody kind of knew busted their butt to get to this point, you know, undrafted to stardom and just, what, what are you doing here? You're, you're going to make this guy the example? And I think that that turned some players off at different moments these last few years. And you're right, you don't really hear players just gushing about Mike Zimmer. They do Gary Kubiak. I oh, mean, yes. people love Gary Kubiak oh, yes. around the NFL. You don't hear it about Mike Zimmer. And I think that is telling. Um, who knows? I mean, I think, look, the guys I talked to, Terrence Newman, his voice matters. I mean, he almost played his whole career with Mike Zimmer, Cincy, Dallas, Minnesota. I mean, I think he's kind of an edgy guy himself. And got, you just love talking Terrence Newman, being around Terrence Newman. I think that, that they're almost kind of like uh, – they, they, I don't know, they have some kind of connection that way. Um, but he says there's a value to it. It's going to harden you. It's going to prepare you for those moments and that you're only going to really appreciate it maybe years down the line in life outside of football. So maybe this is something, you know, a lot of these players that feel slighted or ticked off by something Mike Zimmer said or did to appreciate down the road. But I do think you got to love some guys up. You know, I, I do think there has to be that element to to him. I mean, maybe the coach who's done it better than anybody is Mike Tomlin. I mean, he's kind mm-hmm. of the stand, standard. I mean, Chad Greenway said when he's a 34-year-old defensive coordinator, he is not a player's coach. I mean, he is just ripping guys that are older than him. And he's still in the NFL. He's finding that balance. Guys run through a wall for Mike Tomlin. Um, I don't know. Greenway says Zimmer is having that same effect, but you don't really get that sense. Make sure you go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, and they have a huge deal from Black Friday through Cyber Monday, 20% off the entire SodaStick website, Cash Homie. Use that promo code, and you can get 20% off everything, which also includes, for Christmas time and your holiday season, some very fun sweaters the ho ho homer dome the straight cash ho ho homie sweater and the let it skull let it skull let it skull sweater make sure you check those out go to sodastick.com that's s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com make sure you use that promo code cash homie you know where that comes from you can get 20 percent off the entire site wide go do it I haven't gotten that sense from other people either. And uh, that's not to say that it wasn't true for Chad Greenway. Um, His experience obviously might be different, but I think that when you talk to a lot of people off the record um, that they'll sort of tell you, yeah, it's that hard all the time. And when you don't have that other balance, like that's kind of, it's sort of like the Bobby Knight type of thing. And maybe, maybe players do feel that way, but they also feel like, why did you say, why did you say this about me? Or why did you say something in the media about me for a guy who will tell us over and over how much he can't stand the media? He certainly has manipulated a lot of people through the media. (laughs) And I mean, everybody knows who's a Vikings fan, the example with Anthony Ball. 
far, but there have been many other, many other times through that. And then there's also the assistant coach element where at the NFL combine Zimmer said about Kevin Stefanski, basically called him disloyal for wanting to become an offensive coordinator. And I know that that hurt feelings and made a lot of people go, Hey, come on, Kevin Stefanski has worked his way up from the dirt to be uh, yeah. you know, a guy who's like ready to be an offensive coordinator and you won't let him go. And another I, example is somebody like, why, why are you picking that fight? You know? Right. Right. I mean, it's Kevin Stefanski's gotten along with everybody from Brad Childress to Mike Tice to, you know, on down the line to Les Frazier and, and, he was a guy that they kept around and, and Zimmer was, he was kind of ruthless in, in his commentary there for a guy that, and even when Zimmer was asked at the combine about Stefanski becoming the head coach of the Browns, he just, he wasn't even willing to say anything about it really. And Jeez. it's like, what, what, I mean, I get it. You want to keep, and here's what I think drives it, Tyler. This is my, this is my theory here that much like in there will be blood. Um, I, I think that Zimmer always feels very slighted by the fact that he did not get to be a head coach earlier in his career when he felt he deserved it. And I think that he also is so desperate to win, to be like Parcells, to get his Super Bowl, to prove to everyone that he's the best coach, that he kind of misses things on the periphery. Mm -hmm. Like he has the Mm -hmm. horse blinders on. And when things go wrong, I think he gets so upset that it's going wrong that it turns out in other places as opposed to – you know, maybe finding a a balance with that. And I don't think that it's ever going to change, but I do wonder about, you know, okay, the rest of this year, if things go down, will they come back up, you know, next year when there are expectations again and how that gets handled. If it's a, if it's a tough start this year, they went one and five and they went, well, you know, COVID a bunch of new players, all those sorts of things. But even then there were a couple of comments where you went, you're really telling the line already about, you know, kind of pointing the blame toward other people. So I think it will be really interesting as, as he goes along here. But the, the assistant, former assistant coaches is something you touched on kind of quite a bit about just being ruthless. Totally. I mean, to- totally ruthless. And I think there was always a lot of confusion, like especially on the offensive staff. Like you, you know, you, you're calling plays like to specifically blow up what we're trying to do and we're trying to get something accomplished when you got the script in hand, like what does that accomplish? It doesn't accomplish anything. And then, you know, telling, telling coaches, you know what, what are, we're a drop back team now. What the heck? And change it to this, change it to that. And they'll change something in practice. And then why are you doing that? And it was just kind of strange. I mean, everybody should be on the same page. My God, in the spring, like you, you haven't even had a training camp practice yet. And you're already having these issues. Like, that shouldn't exist. I mean, and it speaks to a certain personality. It speaks to a certain head coach to be that rough around the edges that early in that, whatever it was that 2018 season, um, you're going to have issues. And I I think that there were a lot of people on that staff and on on that roster very early on that realized, whoa, this is bad. This is very, very bad. And it's going to end, it's going to end very poorly. Right when all of us are saying, this is a team that's going to win the Super Bowl. You pair Kirk Cousins, with that defense, look out. But I don't know. I mean, you know, one thing we could talk about a lot too is just like the the, the philosophy behind hiring, you know, a defensive-minded head coach. I mean, here in Buffalo, okay, Sean McDermott, he ended the drought, great. He made the playoffs again, great. Like, is, is Sean McDermott the type of coach that is going to be able to keep up with an Andy Reid um, off, intellectually on offense in key moments ever? I know it's his mentor, but I don't think so. You bring in a great offensive coordinator like Brian Dable, 
great. The play calling is amazing this year. You're going to lose Dayball. Then you're going to start over with another offensive coordinator. There's just there's just a zillion reasons why you should always just hire a, a head coach who thinks offensively and, and, and is thinking through that lens. I get it. I mean, Mike Zimmer might be one of the best defensive coaches ever, but he, he clearly just can't get on the same page as his offensive coaches. Well, I mean, everything I hear is that him and Kubiak have a pretty good relationship, but he's been through so many, and I, I just think you need a head coach at the top who can who can read offense. And I, I don't know if McDermott here can at all. I mean, he, he tried to Nathan Peterman out to start twice. I mean, give me a break. Um, and I don't know if Mike Zimmer in Minnesota can. It's It's, it's – always going to kind of be there. And, and this is part of the Kirk Cousins combination that I've always felt that they were just a bad combo for head coach and quarterback. And they are very much two ships passing in the night. I mean, you don't see conversations on the sideline between Kirk Cousins and his head coach in press conferences. They don't say anything about each other. When you ask Zimmer, Hey, uh, Kirk Cousins just let a game winning drive against the Panthers. Yeah, he was, uh, he was accurate. The first day, where Cousins is introduced as the quarterback of the team. Zimmer says, well, you know, he's good in bootlegs or whatever. Like, that's one of his first comments. Not like this is a huge moment for our franchise or anything else to bring this guy in. He's like, well, you know, he's accurate. He's good in the bootlegs. It's like, what? I mean, you know, he just looked like he was not having a good time at all at that press conference, knowing he was going to lose defensive players because of it. And you're right that the – the sole focus being on that side of the ball, the defensive side, I think it's also impacted how they spent their money because mm-hmm. Zimmer is the top dog in the franchise and he makes the grocery list. And then the front office goes and gets the groceries to use a parcelsism. And they spent money on players that they probably shouldn't have spent money on. He publicly pressured the front office to bring back Anthony Barr and try to bring back Everson Griffin this year. Like through the media said, I want Everson Griffin back, said, I want Anthony Barr back. And so then it looks like if they don't do it, they didn't get Everson back, he went elsewhere. But if they didn't do it with Anthony Barr, well, then they're kind of making a fool of him because he said how badly he wants him back. And when you looked at 2018, they were spending – the the second or third most money on defense and like 20th on offense, even with an expensive quarterback. And so I think that this has always been kind of, kind of a messy type of combination between those two. And then respond to that in just a second. But I wanted to tell you the day you're describing where Zimmer kept blowing up their plays cousins threw the football into the road next to the practice facility. He got so frustrated. Yep, I remember that. Really, you really, you remember that practice? Yep, yep, I remember the practice because he was so frustrated. He literally threw the ball into the road and it bounced off the road. And we we're like, "How's it going?" <laughs> yeah, it's just a total like. I mean, you got to, you just got to figure out what you are. Like, are you this defensive-minded team with a defensive-minded coach? And yeah, we're gonna go out there and win with Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater. Like, we don't need to just go nuts with a historic contract at quarterback. Or if you're going to do that, like go all in with that, like, or at least care. Like you said, I mean, I didn't, I don't even remember that first press conference, but like you think you'd be a little more excited <laughs> to bring in a Kirk Cousins. Um, it just seems to be an identity problem. And, you know, I guess one person that you probably know a lot more about than I do, he, he would kind of come up here and there through this reporting, Rick Spielman. And, you know, uh, he, he's drafted really well at certain positions, but just that failure at quarterback since whenever he started, what was it, 06, 07, you know, since he's been around there. If you can't get the quarterback right, nothing else matters, and they've got it wrong in just about every way you can draw up. 
2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria and that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job speakers in the U.S., Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer you're going to find anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And, and somebody made a great observation to me that Rick Spielman loves kind of the corporate quarterback of Kirk Cousins, which is okay. Uh, there are a lot of quarterbacks like that. And Mike Zimmer loved the scrappy quarterback of Teddy Bridgewater. The guy who's kind of a winner and an underdog and wasn't drafted in the first round. I mean, neither was Kirk, but Kirk doesn't present himself like that, like uh, Teddy does. And um, I always thought it was kind of interesting that the Houston Rockets did a study on this and found their scouts overrated players who were like them. So if you were a six seven shooting guard, you know, you'd love six seven shooting guards <laughs> who kind of look like you. And I think there's, I do think there's something to that. But what is kind of weird to me is that Cousins does not have that personality where he's a dog and he's going to just, you know, fight his way to victories. Even if he does, it doesn't ever really look like he's doing that. You know what I mean? Like, like aesthetically, he's not, Oh my God, he's been killed today. And somehow he found a way to grit his way to a win. Right. He doesn't have that. And I think Zimmer wants somebody who's more grizzly. And there's just like a weird personality conflict between those two guys. Totally can see it. I mean, yeah. And, and Kirk Cousins himself, you know, obviously incredible arm, obviously very talented, but as Terrence Newman kind of said himself, like at some point it, it becomes a pattern to come up short in the big moments like he does again and again and again. It speaks to, you know, it speaks to a certain mentality, an inability to rise. Now, I get it. He just had this game-winning drive against Carolina. That's great. It's also Carolina and Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know how he missed that throw to DJ Moore. I mean – he said someone hit his arm because I felt the same way, but I don't Did know if he? that's okay. true or not. I gotta look at the I gotta gr- look at the tape, of course. Gotta grind that all twenty. Yeah, I was gonna say that's their that's their line is I gotta look at the tape. That's what he said because they asked him after the game. But I agree that game was almost blown like fifty different yeah. times. So it's oh, not one it that was. you should put on the mantle that you came back and beat Carolina. They're not good. Right, right, and, and it was a good moment for him. But you know, I, 
the people that you talk to around Kirk Cousins say there is something to that Monday night football record. Like, I, I know we love to mock it and say, oh, you know, it doesn't mean anything. I, I think it does mean something that when the lights are brighter and the pressure's highest, you come up short, and we've seen it again and again. And, yes, that was a huge win against the Saints. That, I mean, that maybe it ends the discussion right there, but is your goal to beat the Saints in the wild card or is your goal to win a Super Bowl? I would think when you pay somebody $84 million guaranteed, most ever, you'd want a Super Bowl. Yeah. I, and I think that just even his like presentation in general of how he looks when it goes bad, the way that he looks when it goes bad is skittish, timid, like maybe afraid where he will check down to the fullback over and over again, things like that. That was the joke from last year was if he throws the CJ ham on the first drive, it's over. You're not going to win the game. And what it really is, I think is just his skill set. And it also has to do with the defenses that he's playing, what he's capable of doing, but the way that he looks and doing it. And he is not a guy who the whole team five years from now, if he's gone, will say, man, that guy owned our locker room. There's just not right. that guy. Like the way they talked about Bridgewater, it was almost like subtweeting everybody. It was like he was everybody, everybody loved Teddy Bridgewater. He was an amazing leader. We could always <laughs> believe in him. And you're like, did you guys just lose a close game with Kirk or, you, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, uh, but I think as far as going forward, Tyler, this is going to be fascinating because Cousins under contract, very unlikely they go a different direction now. Um, they've got Jacksonville coming up. Like they're going to win some games down the stretch here. But also the all the things we just talked about are not changing. Like they're right. they're going to stay the same. And my question to you then is after everyone you talked to, after everything you learned, can they win? Do you think that they could win? Against Jacksonville? Not against play? Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean 2021, 2022, yeah, yeah. as they rebuild this team with great talents like Justin Jefferson and, and more draft picks and everything else. Like, do you think that it is too fundamentally conflicting? I don't want to say broken because it works to some extent, but is it is it a situation where we're always talking about nine and seven? Or is it a situation so. where they could get farther than that? The way a lot of folks around the league describe it is no man's land. You know, that's the worst place to be. I mean, seven and nine to 10 and six. I think that's kind of where they are. I mean, I think that they had an opportunity really last spring when Kirk Cousins turns down that initial offer to say, all right, you got a contract playing to this year. And all right, Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, you've got contracts playing to this year. And then see how it goes. Like there, there shouldn't have been this, urgency I guess you know professionally you don't want somebody to be a lame duck I get it but we, we've seen this song and dance before I mean they didn't with Kirk especially they didn't have to do that and now like you said they're they're kind of stuck with I mean I had even heard at quarterback that they were a, a little afraid to even bring in somebody to threaten Kirk Cousins this last mm -hmm. offseason yeah. which you know they didn't want to like bother him you know and they bring in a seventh round pick I mean Green Bay's drafting Jordan Love 26th overall with Aaron Rodgers I think that, that that could have been a way to plan for the future too, but they're going for it. I, to answer your question, I, I think that they'll be a competitive with Mike Zimmer. I think this is still a roster that's young, that wants to fight for him. I think there's a lot of good, promising young pieces to work with, and they're not like looking at Mike Zimmer and sick and tired of Mike Zimmer. I, I think that the, you see some fight. You saw it against mm -hmm. Carolina. Yep. Um, I, I think that's a good sign, but – Kirk Cousins is going to be the quarterback still. 
to me, I don't see him, you know, taking down all of these other elite quarterbacks in the NFL anytime soon. I think he's a very good quarterback with a very good arm. And you get into the playoffs, is he really going to win three games in a row? I, I, I just can't see that happening. I, I don't know. Because at some point he's going to play a tough defense. And yeah. I ran across this set for everyone for this year for how he's playing. Uh, the Vikings are one of the bottom ten. So take them out. There's nine other teams in the bottom ten in terms of pass, pass rating against the defense. Vikings have played eight out of nine this year. <laughs> and so that's kind of a big deal in terms of evaluating him. Um, but I think they also want to be right about him. Yeah. And uh, Kirk will never be bad enough to get you fired he will not ever be good enough probably to drag you somewhere. It's going to have to be a 2017-like season, which you never do know. There's a book about it if, you know, people want to hey. read how that happened. So There you go. Hey, there we go. Um, golongtd.substack.com, the place to find you and your piece, Will the Vikings Finally Rise Under Mike Zimmer, is absolutely terrific. Uh, read it all the way through, and your your information, I think, I mean, from somebody who is not covering the team all the time, you can really tell how much effort you had to put into this to make sure you got it all right across the board. It matches up with the things that I've heard, and, and you offer some new insight that I think um, even the listeners to the greatest Vikings podcast <laughs> would, uh, would not know. So, Tyler, uh, you're the best man. Follow him on Twitter at T-Y-D-U-N-N-E, and we will catch up again soon. Awesome, man. Thank you, Matt. Really appreciate you having me on. This was awesome.